and hang on we're gonna have to stop just gonna deliver a, a spaniel to lizzie cool. One sec. yeah no problem <laughs> right sorted You're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Newnham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome back. You are listening to myself, Rich, and I've got Henry with me. Hello there. How you doing, Rich? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. The weather's broken. It's wet. Um, <laughs> I've, yeah, I've just run inside and I'm kind of dripping and hopefully the laptop won't get frazzled by the, the water that's been put all over it so uh fingers crossed any more frazzled than it's been already yeah technology today hasn't been good it's not your friend but it's okay <laughs> not not today but it's all right it's a saturday so we don't need it too much it's fine we don't stress about this too much no it's uh it's not worth it not even when you've got a bike puncture and you're three hours late we just get on with it well the good thing about bike punches is that you're often in the middle of like beautiful scenery so as long as you're not kind of stranded on the side of the m4 or something <laughs> then it's uh it's a good place to be and as long as it's not pissing it down with rain. Yeah, I've had that once. Fading light, pissing with rain, about five degrees. And your sense of humour kind of... It's amazing, the, the curve <laughs> of which the sense of humour just tails off really quickly. And you go from, oh, this is a novel situation to I'm done with this. And it takes about five minutes for that transition to happen. Yep, I, I can see that. <laughs> Very definitely. Yeah. So we did Dire Straits last week and you have got an equally uncool act for us this week. Yeah, he is uncool. He, he even says that he's uncool. It's Ben Folds who I've chosen. I have a question for you. Go for it. Are we doing Ben Folds or Ben Folds 5 or both? Uh, that That is a good question. So let's say it's Ben Folds. Okay. And we can, we can talk about Ben Folds 5. Because I, I literally can't distinguish in my head between what he released as Ben Folds 5 or they released as Ben Folds 5 and what he's released as his solo stuff. Well, let's go over it. So he's a singer, songwriter, pianist. I think if you had to pigeonhole him, I would say he's our generation's Elton John. There we go. Yeah. That's kind of how you'd bracket him. He says himself he writes punk rock for sissies. So <laughs> it's for kind of your, your nerdy, slightly awkward lot. It's quite poppy, his music, and it's all on piano, it's all keys. That's where I'd bracket him. Mostly piano. There are a couple of rocky, guitarsy songs in there as well. Yeah, but he'll, all of his live shows, there'll be a piano and him. I was trying to find some stuff on that. I did a little bit of research, and I'm sure I remember a story of him talking about them having to take the roof off a venue to get the piano, the grand piano that they used to use in... And I cannot find it anywhere, but I'm certain it happened. I'm certain I've heard that story somewhere. So if you know that story and you can send us a link, send me that link because I want to read it. Yeah, he's got got form when it comes to performing. Apparently he he appeared on Letterman once and he got a bit cross partway through his performance. And at the end of the performance, he threw his stool across the room. And apparently Letterman was really pissed off at him for doing it. And then he was really upset about him doing it. So basically... The guy's not really very rock and roll. <laughs> he, he's just released an autobiography and he's he said that like, there's not much sex, there's not much drugs. Although he drinks a lot, he writes his music with a bottle of whiskey. So I like him. But let's go back to the start because... Um, yes. Start off with his early years and then Ben Folds 5, who a lot of people probably will know. 
mm-hmm. and then we can go into his his later stuff. So so he grew up listening to music to the point where I think his mum said that he would spend eight hours a day lying on the floor of the living room listening to music. Mm-hmm. And so like Little Richard was always being played by his parents and all this stuff. So kind of just that old school radio stuff that you get in the, I guess what, he must be kind of 60s radio. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he grew up on that. And then from that, he was influenced by Elton John, Billy Joel. Those two are like the classics who, um, who've influenced him. So if you're not a fan of that kind of almost like showmanship music, it's probably not worth listening to the rest of this podcast because he's, he's, a, he's a bit of a piano player and some people don't like him for that fact. He's, he's not your kind of edgy, cool guy. It's the same as what we said about Dire Straits. Musically very sound, brilliant, crafted music, but just not cool because it's not edgy or alternative and that doesn't mean that it's bad yeah well so he managed to make a bit of a niche himself so they started becoming famous in the kind of just when grunge had hit its peak and it started to fade and it was almost like a reaction to grunge and uh, and his music got picked up just because you didn't have to be cool to to put out music i, I came across him as ben folds five yeah on a compilation album it was the battle of who could care less which is an absolute stonker. I love that song. Yeah. And these guys knew how to craft music. So he he's a musician. So he he went to Duke University. He he played the bass. Right from the very start, he's got a bit of a kind of humour in his work. So they released an EP and the EP was called Five Songs About Jesus. Um, mm. The EP only had four songs on and none of the songs were about Jesus. So <laughs> he's kind of, he's he's pretty laid back with his musical style. He ended up being a journeyman. He went to Nashville. Apparently when Jeff Buckley got signed, he knew the guy that Jeff Buckley's agent and had a word with him and said, look, buddy, I need to try and get into, into recording. And so through that, he, he managed to form a band, form Ben Folds Five, which is obviously a trio because he's just messing around. There's only three, three people in the five and then started crafting some music. And it's pretty simple storyline, kind of pop piano, and I love it. I started hearing it late 90s and The Battle of Who Could Care Less was on this compilation album of, of pretty noisy songs and it's stuck in the middle as this island of piano funk, I guess. Um, it's not really funk. It's it's kind of, ja- it's a bit jazzy. It's almost yeah. poppy jazzy piano. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good way to describe it. It's, um, it's funny. And then the, the album, Whatever and Ever, Amen, that it was on, it's such a slacker thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like that whole whatever and ever, amen. It's got Song for the Dumped on there, Battle of Who Could Care Less. Like all of that stuff is... is. I love Song for the Dumped, by the way. What a great... I mean, looking back at it now, I'm like, it's a little bit... I hate the word problematic, but it's, it's very much that kind of like angry suburban white boy gets dumped and then gets furious about it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's hilarious and it's tongue in cheek. And that's one thing that I love about him is he is very good at doing faux angry tongue in cheek stuff. Yeah, yeah. I know we'll come on to a song on that later on because I know where you're winding up on that one. Yeah, we we will for, for when he, he's done some <laughs> of his, his own work. But yeah, so Benfold's Five did, did really well. They became really big in the UK and Australia as well. I'm not quite sure why they became so big not in the States. Do you know? I have the answer for that. So your Letterman story isn't actually Letterman. 
it was an Australian TV host where apparently the whole thing was, it's sort of a setup. When they were playing that song, in any gig, they would throw a piano stool at the piano after he'd finished his lyrics. And it was always a soft piano stool and it never did any damage. It was deliberately designed to do that way. And so he threw this piano stool, not thinking about it, at the piano and broke the piano. And it was this guy's personal piano and he was furious about it. And they played it on this uh, show called, I think it's called The Morning in Australia for like a week of just this slow-mo replay of this guy and just being furious about it. And of course that raised their profile so high that they went in, the album charted in the top five in Australia. Interesting, because he he must throw his piano stool a lot, because the Letterman one is from his autobiography where he kind of got upset because Letterman got upset. So that was, he, I think he just throws his piano stool a lot. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe he just really likes pissing off TV hosts. I mean, it's a good way to get publicity, right? Well, yeah, all publicity is good publicity, as they say. So, so Ben Fortify continued. They released uh, the unauthorised biography of Reinhold Messner. Now, I looked at this, so I'm a bit of a closet mountaineering geek i love mountaineering even though i've never climbed a mountain in my whole life but i just love the whole concept of it and if you know mountaineering you'll know reinhold mester because he's a complete legend he was the first Mm -hmm. mountaineer to climb everest without oxygen and he's climbed all of the really big peaks in in the world so i assumed that ben folds had a thing for mountain climbing turns out he doesn't um the reason that they call they named this album after reinhold messner was because as kids they were given fake ids to get into bars and all of the fake ids were reinhold messner and i guess it's because the id maker was thinking let's make this and let's name it after a mountaineer so they didn't know that there was a mountaineer involved until the album went out and when the album went out Reinhold contacted them and was like, what the hell is this? This isn't my biography. <laughs> and they had to do some kind of fairly fast talking with lawyers to make sure that they didn't piss off a legend by complete mistake. To be fair, the album's called The Unauthorised Biography of. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Oh, we have skipped over a fairly big part of the Benfolds 5 history, which is kind of where Benfolds 5 ended, or one of the reasons for it, which was um, Brick, yeah. um, the song from whatever and ever amen now brick is unlike a lot of the other songs is is very somber bricks about his girlfriend who had to have an abortion at university and he kind of clams up whenever he talks about it so i can't find a decent interview where and to be honest i don't really see why there should be one but that song for whatever reason back in 97 became a huge hit and i don't know the reasons for it it's a quiet ballad. Uh, it just stormed to the top of the charts. And off the back of that, Ben Folds 5 became known as the guys that played Brick and not the kind of slightly more fun band. So I think it sounds like they, they toured and toured and toured and that was the song they were always asked to play. And I think it just, it ground them all down. And that's kind of the start of the end of the band. Yeah, and it is it is a beautiful song. It's very sad it talks about that kind of lonely place that people are in in that situation and obviously it's from his perspective but you know it's it sort of hints at at this growing rift between them that that this whole thing kicked off in the relationship and obviously most relationships don't end in that way but there are plenty of people who can feel those feelings of a relationship that's sliding away because of a bad moment or a bad thing that's happened or whatever it is, those kind of things. 
I can imagine it being. I mean, it's like a lot of bands have that song that got them famous that they don't necessarily love. Radiohead Creep being the immediate first one that springs to mind. One thing I would say is that from what I understand, their breakup wasn't, it was an amicable breakup. They just decided that it was time to go off and do other things separately. Yeah, and (laughs) he's he's not been that great with, with relationships. He's had four marriages that have all failed, so... Yeah, he he's quoted somewhere as saying he's good at music and bad at life, which is a bit of a, a sad way to, to frame it. I get the impression he's a bit of a difficult person, but that is purely me reading between the lines and with no actual knowledge to back it up. It's It's almost just hearing how he is as a musician, the way he writes lyrics. He does call himself a... can't remember the exact phrasing, but it was something like a songwriting sociopath. Yeah, I doesn't wouldn't surprise me if he had said that. So yeah, so we move on to his solo career, and he released this album called "Rock in the Suburbs," which, which I love just for personal reasons because I, I got it at a really interesting time in my life when loads of stuff was happening, and so it's a, a bit of a soundtrack to that. And it's just it's just a really classic feel good album. He he tells stories, so mm-hmm. if you go through the track listing, the songs have people in. So and he waits is the first one there's Zach and Sarah and the next one he's got this really nice ballad halfway through which which isn't the strongest musically but it's quite a sad song it's called Fred Jones part two and I'm not quite sure where the part two comes from but the opening of the song it's about this guy called Fred it says Fred sits alone at his desk in the dark there's an awkward young shadow that waits in the hall the whole point about this is Fred's basically worked for like 50 odd years in this one place and it's time to kind of kick Fred out because Fred's retiring and no one really notices that he's gone. And it's kind of this song says there was no party and there were no songs because today's just a day like the day that he started. And it's pretty brutal because it talks about this entire guy's working career, which everyone can probably relate to, you know, you do your job. And then at the very end of it all, there's no fanfare. That's it. And kind of <laughs> the party's over. So that sits in the middle. It's like, oh, that's a bit of a kind of punched the solar plexus there's one thing that i find really interesting about ben folds is the fact that so much i'd say like three quarters maybe more of the songs that i listen to of his are almost always upbeat up tempo tongue-in-cheek slightly poking fun at people and the world and all that kind of stuff the rest are these beautiful immensely sincere stories tales whatever that are completely the opposite he's always at these almost at the extreme ends of the spectrum and never anywhere in the middle yeah i'd agree with you that and he he holds all of that together with his piano playing and he's he's a brilliant pianist he's been likened to elton i think elton's mentioned to him that elton thinks he's a better piano player he doesn't know whether that's actually true or not but elton (laughs) says he is so he'll take it but he does have that it's that hot and cold approach of fun song or proper sad ballad and and it, and it works it, it it works nicely in an album because he can just change the mood of it as, yep. as he goes along one of the songs i guess we were probably alluding to it earlier is the the title track yep rocking the suburbs which um <laughs> well how do you know it i mean i'd been following ben folds since the ben folds five years i was never a massive massive fan but i think i think my older brother had whatever and ever amen so listen to that a fair bit 
when I was in my late teenage years and hence, I guess, always loving things like One Angry Dwarf and 200 Solemn Faces and, you know, the the kind of classics from that album. And then I sort of lost track for a little bit and then Rocking the Suburbs came out and I think it's it's just one of those songs that's it's poking fun at the overly seriousness of a lot of white middle class rock music in that kind of early thousands <laughs> yeah. you know there's the, the angry white boy trope is very true for rock music in that sort of era but i think it also pokes fun at himself and i think pokes fun a little bit at his past career and some of the stuff that he's written in the past as well i i think you've you've nailed it i mean yeah there's the line all alone in my white boy pain <laughs> and it's it, it's just pointing a finger at all of those kind of whining indie crowd kids but including himself in that as well. Yeah, 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 he does. I mean, yeah, in the in, in the chorus, he talks about Michael Jackson. He says, I'm doing exactly what Mike did, but he's the talented <laughs> one and I'm not. So I'm rocking, yeah, rocking the suburbs just like Michael Jackson did, rocking the suburbs except he was talented. Yeah, and so, yeah, he knows the limits of his songwriting and his appeal. So if there's one song that sums him up, probably not musically because it's quite, he almost makes it noisy to try and fit him with that indie crowd. So there isn't the kind of the piano balladry on, on that so much, but it's the it's lyrically pretty much encapsulates his his work. It is. It's a great song and it's very funny and it's very clever, which I think is true of the majority of the stuff that I really like of his is it's very tongue in cheek, but there's always a, a pointed element to that tongue in cheekness. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and his career's just carried on like that. So he's got a in a later album, Songs for Silverman. It, it's not as good, but there's a song called "Landed" in there, which I really, really like. And mm-hmm. I read up on it, and it turns out that off the back of the success of "Rocking the Suburbs," which is his biggest album, the record producer said, "We we need a single. Can you um can you give us a single? Give us a really, really good single that we can put on the radio." And so Ben Folds apparently replied, well, which Elton song would you like? And they said, Tiny Dancer, please. So he said, all right, I'll write one like Tiny Dancer. So he wrote Landed in the complete knowledge that the producers wanted a Tiny Dancer-like song. And if you listen to Landed, it's a really, really good song. And it is kind of, it is in that bracket of brilliant chorus, catchy hooks, lovely melody. And it's one of my favourite songs of his Um, I didn't know that he was actually aiming for an Elton song when he wrote it. It's funny, isn't it? Because we've talked about artists that have had instructions from record companies and gone, nope. Whereas he's just gone, screw it. If this is what I have to do to get the rest of my music out there, I'll just just suck it up and do it. Why not? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, other stuff he's done, like an acapella album with with some university students. And he's taken all of his songs Mm -hmm. and just done everything with, with vocals. And that's... You can tell the geekiness of it. I mean, if you look at acapella groups from universities, they're all a bit kind of spotty geeks. I'm generalising, but it's true. And <laughs> and and he's uh, he knows that's particularly where, in the US. Yeah, exactly. And he knows that that's where his fan base is. And so he knows that if he goes around university campuses in the states and goes, "Do you want to record an album with me?" There's going to be a queue forming around the block for him. So yeah, I, I don't think he's. Some some artists would go for kind of global stardom and, and fame, and he's not. He knows he's not going to hit that kind of limit. So, all right. So an acapella album, 
I presume you've listened to it to see what it's all about. Would you listen to it again? Um, it, no. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's what it's, I thought you'd say. It's all of his songs. I, I love his piano playing. Yeah. I love his piano playing on all of his albums. It's so good. He, he's very accomplished to the point where he'll go to live gigs and he'll improvise songs. So it's so much a part of his music that when you take that out, even if you include brilliant vocals, it's it's a nice album. But yeah, I, I'd I'd drop it. There's another song on Songs for Silverman called Late. Mm-hmm. It's a tribute to Elliot Smith. Oh. Obviously, we haven't talked about Elliot Smith, and probably at some we, point we will. We we will do a, a one for him. <laughs> I already know which album I'm doing for that. Yeah. So Elliot Smith. Well, we'll talk about him later. But but he he committed suicide, and. Ben Folds was oh, now Rich is giving me the, the wiggly head look. We'll go into this later. I'm not suggesting that he didn't. I was just it's the that was more a reaction to knowing all. It's the same as the Courtney Love, Kurt Cobain stuff. There's backstory. Rock yeah. fans love a conspiracy story. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. That's one for next time. Anyway, he wrote a tribute to it, and it's really, really good. He didn't know him that well, and so. It's a nice song because he doesn't try to sh- to show that. He doesn't try to show he really knows the guy and he knows everything about him. So it's almost like a kind of distanced, thanks very much, I really appreciate your music, didn't really know each other, but, you know, hat tip to you for being a, an awesome musician. It's, it's worth listening to, if, you, if you're, especially if you're an Elliot mm-hmm. Smith fan, because it is, it is just a nice kind of, it's, it's a nice memento. That's cool. And, and that's really... Ben Folds in a in a nutshell. He's he's still recording, still making music. I was gonna say, I was surprised to see on Spotify that he's released a couple albums over the last decade and appears to have just released a new single called Twenty Twenty, which I haven't listened to yet. I only spotted it as we were firing this up for for a recording. He's written a little twenty twenty ballad. It's not gonna change the world. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's basically exactly like his old work and he's just stuck a COVID-19 badge on the front of it so don't start there don't don't listen to 2020 from Ben Folds and think that that's what he's got to offer I would go further back okay so start with Rock in the Suburbs or Whatever and Ever Amen I would start with Whatever and Ever Amen yeah just because you understand the piano and you understand the kind of that style of music I also think from a pure kind of musicality perspective this is not like david ford where easy world and david ford are very very different in terms of what he's producing now and what he was producing then ben folds versus ben folds five is very similar musically yeah from from ben folds five that's where i'd go beyond that the trouble with picking a a single song is that his, his music does change as you said before it does change between this kind of very quiet ballads and slightly, slightly more upbeat stuff. If you want a ballad that's kind of beautiful, the last song on Rocking the Suburbs is called The Luckiest, and I think it's his most played track. This is a beautiful song. It's an ode to his his partner. Shame he got divorced from her, but, you know, he kind of says he's the luckiest for, for being with her. But it's an absolute, absolute stonker. Lyrically lovely. Pianos there as well. If you like a good ballad, it's right up there in the kind of the, the best ones you'll find. And again, it's another great example of him when he wants to turn on the sincerity, really being able to nail it. I guess the reason why I'm making that point is that a lot of rock music, pop music tries to be sincere and 
sort of ends up being cliched or cheesy or whatever he he doesn't end up in those areas it's very heartfelt it's very sincere but also it feels real and true rather than cheesy and cliched yeah exactly so i would go for that one and then and then something like gone from his from rocking the suburbs as well which is a kind of bombastic piano noisy ode to him breaking up with a girl that kind of shows his full range I think if you listen to Rock in the Suburbs and you enjoy the music from there generally, you'll enjoy the rest of his work as well. Yeah, simple as that. I don't think he ever evolves massively beyond that, but I also don't think there's a need to. He writes, like you say, beautiful stories about people in a fun, brilliant piano-led way. Yeah, and and I think that's it for me. He's he's never going to be in my top five artists of all time. F- for a podcast like this, he's he's good to touch on because I think people will enjoy that kind of style. Mm-hmm. He's definitely worth a mention. Do you think his stuff has led you into similar musicians, similar areas, or is he a bit of a standalone? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Because off the back of that compilation album, which I th- I think it's one of those best album in the world ever ones that came out around the early 2000s and I bought that album for the noise so there was a load of ash tracks and mm-hmm. your standard 90s indie band there were there's Blur, Oasis and all the rest uh, and he was on there as well and that slightly threw me a bit and so I bought Whatever and Ever Amen off the back of that and then started looking around for more kind of piano led stuff some more more funky stuff yeah maybe I've never really gone into jazz but yeah he's definitely opened up my ears I think it's, for me, as much as anything, there are certain artists that have brought to the fore a particular instrument in music, so it's not just guitars and drums. And Ben Folds, he's a pianist before anything else, right? And I think that's the thing with his music is it sort of brings you into, oh, you don't have to have a lead guitar every time. You can actually, and don't get me wrong, I'd listen to other bands who use pianos and keys and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the Beatles do, for heaven's sake. But they don't feature in 99% of the songs in that way. So back in 1984, when he was at school, he got into a fight with a jock just before his final exams. And he ended up smashing his fist into a brick wall during the fight and he wrecked his hands, couldn't write in the exam properly, so he failed the exam. And as a result of him failing the exam, he went to his house, picked up his drum kit and threw it in the lake next to his house as a kind of, I've had enough of life, life's life's got me down. And the drum kit ending up in the lake preceded him picking up the piano and setting him off on that trail. So so yeah, there's there's interesting little kind of, you know, he wasn't really just a pianist. And actually when he went to Nashville, he was a bassist. And so... Yeah, he, he's he's a musician, and right from the mm. year two, I guess, all the way up to now, he he's one of those musical people that um, if he wasn't selling albums, he you bet your bottom dollar he'd be writing music in a basement somewhere. Yeah, well, just goes to show sometimes throwing a childish tantrum gets you somewhere. Yeah, I should have thrown my computer in the pond earlier on. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Right now, you'd be writing world-famous piano. No, let's leave that. No. <laughs> I'm not going to go down that route. <laughs> cool. Seen him live? Uh, I've seen Ben Folds 5 live, yeah. Nice. Wicked. Great fun. Good crowd. Yeah, in that kind of stage presence, they, they always... Um, so Ben Folds always plays this song. They, they didn't play it live when he was at Ben Folds 5, but a very long time ago, 
some guy from the back of the stage in Chicago kept on screaming, rock this bitch, all the mm. way through the, the set. And he was like, all right, I'll make up a song about it. And since then, every gig he goes to, everyone screams, rock this bitch, until he plays a little kind of improv ballad with him singing some words along the lines of that. If you go to his live show, that's part of the experience. But yeah, saw them, great fun. Not going to tear the roof off anywhere, but but just a really good fun band to watch. Nice. Yeah, I've, I haven't seen him or them play live, but I, I have seen Bare Naked Ladies and I kind of feel like there'd be the same fun vibe that I got from them. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, they do sit in that similar bracket, don't they? Because Bare Naked Ladies can write a ballad as well. Mm-hmm. And they love a bit of piano fun. Oh, what was it? Is it Stunt, the album, Bare Naked Ladies? No I think they, um I think it's called Stunt. And there's a song on there called Light Up My Room. If you think you know Bare Naked Ladies and you think that it's all their chick of the China, the Chinese chicken hmm. and all that stuff, go and listen to Light Up My Room and then reevaluate how you see the Bare Naked Ladies as a band. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised once you've listened to that song. Fair enough. I mean, I, I know the album. I don't know which track you're referring to, but I will go and have a listen immediately after we finish this podcast. Perfect. Excellent. All right. I think that probably covers it for this week. If you want to try and find us on the socials, I haven't plugged this for for a couple of podcasts. We are I Might Be Wrong UK. We're on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. We are, I mean, you can just send us messages directly if you want. I'm sure you could probably find us or you know us already. So just do that. Thanks for Ben Falls 5. I do, I do love a bit of Ben Falls 5. So I was always happy to uh to have a chat about them i think you know a lot more about them than i do though yeah give them a listen they're not going to set the world alight but they're they're a lovely band to have in your back catalogue once in a while yeah they're just they're just an enjoyable listen which sometimes is what you want exactly cool thanks for joining us thank you for listening to another episode of i might be wrong